Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled Experiencing Joy and is based on Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. It was delivered on the third Sunday of Advent, December 11th, 2022, by Pastor Steve Pierce. Good morning. We've had a little bit of a COVID scare at the Pierce household, so uh, if you see me wearing a mask, uh, just uh, know we're, we're all okay. One of us has tested positive, but um, um, that person's home, and the rest of us keep testing negative. It's just a funny thing how that works. And when we called the school, they said, well, we're more concerned about the flu and RSV than we are COVID these days. So it's amazing how things have changed so rapidly and in such a short amount of time. The word of the Lord comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. This is 792 in your pew Bibles. I encourage you to turn there now. Listen for the word of God. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. So on Wednesday evening, my wife Monica and I decided we would show our children for the very first time the 1965 classic Christmas movie, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Peanuts creator Charles uh, Schultz's main goal was to remind American viewers what Christmas is really all about. And so he set by making out that movie um, for children and families to enjoy. And it was a great joy for me and my wife Monica to look at our children's expressions as they watched this movie for their first time. Lots of emotional moving scenes. And in one scene, Charlie Brown, the semi-reluctant director of the children's Christmas play, has a moment of frustration Things aren't going as planned. The rehearsal is sloppy. There's nothing cohesive about it. 
and he shouts out, isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? Up until that point in time, Charlie only viewed Christmas as one big commercial racket. So Linus bravely steps forward and he says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. He calls for lights. He walks out into the center of the stage and quoting the Gospels, he says, and I quote, and there were many in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for lo, behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And in that moment, Charlie Brown has an epiphany. And he says, and I quote, Linus is right. This is what Christmas is all about, and I won't let consumerism ruin my Christmas. Charlie Brown sees and feels for the first time what it's really all about, why it matters. It's not a season to turn into a problem, which is what Charlie Brown was best known for. No, it's a story to read, reread, believe, enjoy, and share with others. And that's exactly what that movie is all about. Now 57 years old. It endures just as the Christmas story itself endures because Christmas is something that goes way beyond you and me. It's about the already and the not yet kingdom that God has changed everything for the better for our future. Last Sunday, we learned about a man named John the Baptist, the one who was to be the forerunner for Jesus. He emerges in the wilderness wearing these bizarre outfits and preaching on God's final judgment. In fact, people are going out to him to be baptized as a sign that they are truly repentant of their sins. They are going there Because they want to be right with God. They know something inside just isn't working. Something's broken that needs to be healed. And so John receives all these people, throngs of people coming to him to hear his messages and be set free. But in this reading, in Matthew 11, that same prolific preacher is now sitting behind bars. There he is in jail. He's in jail because Herod Antipas put him there. He questioned his marriage. John questioned his marriage. Uh, It was an interesting situation. Herod Antipas had divorced his wife and then he married Herodias, who is the divorced 
wife of Herod Antipas's half-brother, Philip. Herod did not like being questioned. And so he took John the Baptist and he threw him in jail. And sitting in that cell, he thought about a lot of different things. He thought about how things were just not working out the way he had expected. He knew somebody was to come, and he thought the one who would come would overthrow the people like Herod, expose them, strip them of their power, take care of the evil ones. But now John is the one in jail, the one being judged. He's the one in prison. He hasn't been rescued and the one to come hasn't kicked the gates of the prison down to set him free. He wakes up each and every day to the same four walls questioning what is the meaning of all of it. Here he spoke truth to power but now he's the one being punished. We can only begin to imagine his worry and his frustration. So sitting there with nothing but his thoughts, he decides it's time to send Jesus a question. And he does it through his own disciples. He says to them, go ask Jesus, are you really the one who is to come? (laughs) Or should we expect somebody else? John knows that someone's coming, but now he's not sure if it's Jesus. Is Jesus just another spellbinder who is to come only to dash the hopes of those who've put their trust in him. But notice in the reading, Jesus tells his disciples that John is a very good person. In fact, he says he's among the best of humanity. He never questions uh, John's loyalty. These aren't questions coming from a doubt or a, a ridiculer. He has the utmost respect for his cousin, even when John didn't understand why he was coming out into the wilderness to be baptized by John. The one who would judge the world is being baptized for the repentance of sin. What? Even after John is put in jail, John's disciples question Jesus' disciples as to why they're not fasting. Even if the Pharisees themselves fast, Jesus doesn't question them. Instead, He embraces their wonderments. And so with John in prison and many unanswered questions, John and his followers are wondering if they have invested themselves in the wrong cause. And their questions are not unlike the ones that we have during Advent. You know, when you turn down Ella Fitzgerald, and you really start thinking about what this season is about, or Perry Como, and you turn the music down just to think for a moment, what, what are we celebrating? What is all of this? Is it true? Did Jesus really come as the one who was promised in the prophet Isaiah's words? Do any questions or doubts plague us in the midst of holiday cheer? Does some grief or worry have us down? If the Messiah has indeed come, why do so many of us find ourselves in some prison? And we can name those prisons, can't we? 
I mean, in this country alone, there are, what, two million incarcerated people as I speak to you this morning. And just up the street at the Kent County Correctional Facility, there's 1,100 inmates. That's max capacity the last time I checked. And we know what's behind the congestion. Poor choices, abuse, illegal possession of weapons, drug addiction, loss of values. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We don't have to be behind prison bars to be in prison, do we? Some of us here have our secret sins and our vices that hold us down, that hold us captive. And our addictions hold us in their grip and no matter how hard we try, we just can't break free. No matter how hard we pray, no matter what we do, we're stuck. Maybe it's a painful memory or of some past mistake that we made that hangs over us. Our guilt follows us around like a pesky stray cat. Our prison may be something else too, causing isolation because we don't want to tell anybody what we're going through for they would never understand. And so we keep all of these secrets and all of these sins and all of these vices close to the vest so no one will see us for who we really are. And when we consider these many prisons, those that hold us in and others, we might ask questions that sound similar to John's question. Jesus, if you really are the one who has come to set us all free, if you truly are the Messiah, why do I feel this way? Why do I still struggle? Why do I suffer? Why are things not different? Better. And this is really the tension we hold in the already but not yet kingdom. This is the tension we hold. And in today's reading, Jesus sends an answer back to John. And it's not really the answer he's expecting. Jesus says to John's disciples, you go and you tell John what you hear and what you see. And now we hear echoes of Isaiah 35. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. In other words, Jesus came in power, but not the kind of power that John anticipated. John didn't understand the power in the already but not yet kingdom of God. He was already in the kingdom, but he did not yet fully see the glory of the kingdom. And the question Jesus asks the crowd is the same question he would ask each and every one of us. What is it that you want to see? Why are you going out into the wilderness? What is it that you hope to see? In the kingdom of God, Jesus says, you have to look closely. But in my kingdom, the least of these are greater than John the Baptist. In fact, in my kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. What do you see? 
Oh, we see great evil in the world, don't we? We see war in Europe and in other places. We see families that won't speak to each other. Our children are broken. There's so much pain and suffering. Right here in our community, we have unsheltered people who aren't sure where their next meal is going to come from. And there are many who are crying out for help. What do you see? What do you hear? If we listen closely and if we look intently, we might just hear, we might just see Jesus' power when the church, the body of Christ, goes out into the community and serves and brings medical missions and models kindness and love and joy. When we look closely, we'll see addiction broken by the help of others and the strength to change. When the walls of prejudice come down brick by brick. When families are reconciled and there's forgiveness. When people find the strength to live with things they cannot change. And when we hear the proclamation of God's coming kingdom. And we learn to trust it. Like Charlie Brown. Hearing the Christmas message for the first time. And believing it. Not only do we see Jesus' power, but we experience it too. Not too long ago, I was at a restaurant having a conversation with friends. And I've shared this story in other circles. So this might be familiar to you. But we were having uh, conversations, the throes of Advent, and, and the waitress was listening in and she came to us towards the end of our meal and she asked us, what is Christmas all about? Now, if I were to guess, at that time she was probably about 50 to 55 years of age. 50 to 55. Had never heard the Christmas message. Had never heard the Easter story. And for about five to ten minutes, we told her what Christmas and Easter were all about. And as we're telling her the the meaning of the season, she starts to tear up and share with us that no one has ever told her what Christmas is really all about. And she's not alone. There are so many others that are just waiting for someone to come into their life and say, hey, have you heard about this incredible story of God's coming kingdom and Jesus, the Messiah? Whatever doubts we have today, whatever uneasiness we bring into this service of worship, remember that John the Baptist has already been there and yet he still believed. He still trusted in the one who sent him this great message of joy. And the answer John has given is the same answer Jesus gives to each and every one of us. Are you wondering who I really am? Look around you. See what's happening. Look, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. Yes, I am the Messiah. I am the one 
who is to come as the prophet Isaiah prophesied, the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Whatever prison we find ourselves in, The one who comes, comes to set us free. And when he sets us free, we experience true joy, his joy. Believe this gospel. Believe it and go forth to share with others who need to hear it. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we give you thanks for your word and for the promise of your deliverance and joy, for the promise of better days ahead for all people. Help us in our struggle today, especially those who aren't sure where to turn next. Grant them your favor and your healing touch. God, we believe, but as the Gospels say, help our unbelief. For in the end, we will give you all the glory. It's in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ that we pray and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.